an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. <laughs> and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love of discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Thank you, Glory. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can focus on it this morning. We thank you for the truths that are in it. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be active in our hearts and our minds this morning. That we might see what you have for us this morning, Father, and that we would follow through and, and um, live lives that uh, would be pleasing to you, Father. I just thank you for our pastor. I pray that you would uh, empower him right now as he brings this message. In Jesus' name. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We've been working our way through chapter 5. We are now into verse 15. <clears throat> Last Sunday, we talked about the seven biggest problems in the world today. We talked about the world being under the power of sin. We talked about the uh, sin of Adam affecting the sin nature of everyone in the world. We talked about death becoming a reality for the world when Adam sinned. We talked about the world is under the power of death. We talked about the world sinned when Adam was in the garden. And that the law makes it impossible for the world to defeat sin. And the law strengthens the power of death over the world. Yes, it was a little bit negative last week. But we have verses 15 and 16 today. Now, usually I like giving you illustrations that I can prove are historically accurate. I have one today, which I do not believe is historically accurate, but I'm going to share it to you anyway, because I liked it. Back when, I won't give you his name, a pastor, a very famous pastor, became the president of Princeton University, back when Princeton was a Christian school, and it was a seminary putting out pastors throughout the land. <clears throat> 
the president of the university had a daughter. And one day a young man came to him that was in the seminary, going to be a pastor. He came to the president of the university and wanted to take his daughter's hand in marriage. the pastor responded to the young man and said, you cannot have her. Young man said, but I love her. Pastor responded, you cannot have her. The young man responded, she loves me. And again, the pastor responded, you can't have her. The seminary student's about his wits in. He says, why can I not have your daughter's hand in marriage? The pastor said, because she is not worthy of you. She's a Christian, is she not? pastor said, yes, she's a Christian. But the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live with. Now, I don't think that really happened. But the pastor brought up the grace of God and how it makes an impact upon a person's life. In other words... you should be able to tell who is in the grace of God. You should be able to tell by their attitude, by their joy, by their actions, by their mindset, by their words. You should be able to tell who is in the grace of God. And clearly, you should be able to tell who is not in the grace of God. Now, we've been talking last week, we talked about a number of things that uh, uh, Paul was having problems with, with because of Adam, the one sin Adam did, the one act of rebellion, how death came into the world, how all these problems came into the world, and now he finally gets to the solution to the problem, and the problem solution is solved by the grace of God. If you'll remember, we kind of skipped over the end of verse 14. Verse 14, it ends and says, who is a type of him who was to come. In verses 13 and 14, we just talked about Adam. We talked about him bringing sin into the world, bringing death into the world. We know there's sin in the world because there's death. If there was no sin, there would be no death. But because there is sin, there is death. And then in the end of verse 14, he brings up a solution pointing to someone who was to come after Adam. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. The free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. 
like you to look at the first phrase. But the free gift is not like the transgression. This brings us to an introduction into the next point he's going to make in his discussion here of grace and sin. What does Jesus and Adam do for the human race? What does Jesus and Adam do for the human race? Let's start first with Jesus. First thing that Jesus does, he offers the gift of God free to all. Jesus Christ offers the gift of God free to all. He offers the gift, the free gift. Literally in the Greek, it would be the grace gift. The grace gift is offered freely to all. This points out how Adam's problems is not overwhelming the grace of God. It does not overwhelm the gift of God. The work of Jesus Christ is superior to the work of Adam. The privilege that comes with the gospel message was given to one that does not deserve the gift. It was given freely. It's not given to you because God predicts what you will do. It's not given to you because of the good things you had done. It is given to you without any human effort on your part at all. You cannot produce anything to earn grace. It's a gift. It's a gift. Second, what does Jesus Christ and Adam do for the human race? Adam offers the state of rebellion against God that comes with more false steps for all. Adam offers the state of rebellion against God that comes with more false steps for all. Notice the word transgression. In the Greek, what it really means, truly means, is talks about false steps. A false step. It talks about an active, willful rebellion and disloyalty to the true steps you're supposed to take. But it's a false step. A tra to transgress, a person has to slip or fall on one side and to fall away from the free gift of God. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I went on a day hike with some friends in Oregon, and we spent two hours on this hike, and all we saw were trees, all we saw were trees, all we saw were trees. We had a fun time doing the hike. We got up to the very top, and all of a sudden, we came out of the trees. For the first time in the two-hour hike, we came out of the trees, and we had to stop. You could not go on, because we felt like we were on the top of the world. It was amazing, the view that we saw from the top of this hill. And I was doing okay, until the trail got a little bit narrow. It got to be in about a six-inch trail. You could only put one foot in front of the other. And on this side was a hill. And on this side, there was nothing. I am going up this turn. And I am leaning my hand on the hillside so that I don't fall down the hill. Because I was nervous because I knew how high we were up. I worked as a janitor at uh, college. And at college we had an auditorium, Tory Gray Auditorium. 
and it was had about a t- 12, 15 story ceiling. And they took me up to the top of the ceiling in the catwalk up there, and they talked about how to change the light bulbs up in the ceiling. And then they warned me, because I was looking, I was very comfortable up there, that the tiles that were there would not be able to hold my weight. And if I stepped on one of them, I would fall 12 stories down to the chairs. Now, on the side of the hill, I was nervous. On the catwalk, I wasn't nervous. Because I was thinking I was safe because of the little tiles when I was really in danger. And I was probably safer on the hillside because I was concerned about falling into the valley. <clears throat> Transgressions fool you. You think that a sin is only going to somehow not hurt anybody and you're okay with your little sins. But you are in great danger with your sins. Because when you choose to sin, you're choosing not to take the free gift. There is only two roads to go down. Either you accept the free gift, or you continue in the rebellion that Adam started. Now, this is the introduction into our topic. Now, if we had time, I would love to go around the room. Uh, If we had a Bible study or maybe even a Sunday school class, I would love to go around the room and ask your opinion of what Bible verses would help you that comes with the free gift that Jesus Christ offers. Or if you choose to follow Adam and his transgressions, what would follow that So, since I don't have time to go around the room, I'll ask myself the question. Well, here we go. Here's the answers. I would go to Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, which talks about, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And I go to Isaiah 65, 17. It says, For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered or come to mind. What comes when I take the free gift that comes with Jesus Christ? I will receive a kingdom of God that lasts forever. A new heaven and a new earth that will last forever. But if I choose to go with Adam and his transgression, the sin of Adam and the world and the power of death will come to an end one day. And God will judge it. And it will be judged eternally in a lake of fire. Or I could go to another verse. And I can go to 2 Timothy 1, verse 10. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What comes with the free gift of Jesus Christ? Jesus defeats the power of sin and death. The free gift defeats the power of sin and death. What comes with the transgression of Adam? Well, death has come into the world through Adam 
and it's spread to all people, and all people will come to a time of judgment. And death will be the first step in that judgment. But with the gift of Jesus Christ, you have life. Let's go another one. Let's go Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide. The way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. There are few who find it. What happens with the free gift of Jesus Christ? The free gift is offered to all people, but only few will accept it. Only few will accept it. What comes with the transgression of Adam? Sin will deceive people, and will never, they will never be satisfied with sin, and the deception will come to an end one day, and you'll realize the wide road is not the right road to be on. Now, I know you could probably do better, and I'll probably give you a homework assignment to go home and do better and come up with other verses that talk about what would happen to you when you take the free gift and what would happen if you reject the free gift. Then I'll let you preach it next time I go on vacation. I'm serious. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. There's a difference between the free gift and the transgression. What's the difference? Okay? Let's start with Adam. Let's start with Adam, and let's go and talk about the transgression. What will happen to a person who by nature follows the leadership of Adam to continue in sin? Now, this goes with last Sunday. So if you're here last Sunday, you've got a leg up. We'll talk and add some things to it. Paul kind of reiterates some things, adds some things. Well, let's see what, what happens here. First thing, for if by the transgression of the one, many died. By the transgression of the one, many died. Following the leadership of Adam <clears throat> leads to spiritual death of many leads to the spiritual death of many. Again, the same word transgression, talking about false steps. By the one, of the one, many died. Through the one sin of Adam, all humans experience the death penalty. You will die. Many died. Through one sin of Adam, many died. The word many refers to all people who died and surrendered to the power of death because of Adam's sin. Because of sin, we die. So death and sin are connected. Now drop down to verse 16. What will happen to a person by nature who falls the leadership of Adam to continue to sin? Verse 16. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgression. Number two. Following the leadership of Adam leads to a negative content of judgment and the physical death of many. Now, I don't want to make fun of my own answer. This is a little wordy, but it makes sense. 
following the leadership of Adam leads to a negative content of judgment. You will be judged negatively. There will be things brought up negative against you. And physical death will happen to many. There will be a physical death that occurs. Notice what it says. Not like that which came through the one who sinned. This must refer to Adam's first act of rebellion. The sinful action, the sin nature came into our state and contrary to the actions and nature of God. So we did things contrary to the nature of God because of Adam's sin. Paul is saying Adam's sin involved us all in the situation of sin and death and there's no other escape but the gift of Jesus Christ. And on one hand, the judgment arose. The word judgment literally means a heavier judgment. A heavier judgment. Not the act of judgment, the content of the judgment. It's not pointing about him judging you. It's talking about the things he will accuse you of. One sin leads to the judgment of God. <clears throat> How you deal with your sin life, I'm pointing at you. Okay? All of us. You. The thing that will either help or hurt our church will be how we respond to sin. If we allow sin in our lives and we allow sin to stay in our lives, we allow to stay down that path of sin, if we are following Adam, we will not do anything to help our church. This church will not grow. This church will die. It will happen. If we keep our eyes on sin. Now, if we put our eyes on the grace of God, then what happens is, is when we sin, there'll be a short amount of time before we repent of that sin. And when we start repenting of our sins, and we start doing the work of admonishment in our church, guess what will happen? We will grow. Because if you're doing sinful things in your heart, it doesn't matter how good the pastor is, or how good the music is, or how good the announcements are, or how good the seats are, or how cushy, cushy the seats are, or how, doesn't matter. We will not accomplish anything that will please God. And God will not bless. Satan might bless, but God will not bless. It's very important. One transgression. God's hate of sin is so great that one sin condemned the world to judgment. Third. <clears throat> Notice the middle of verse 16. Arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. Resulting in condemnation. What will happen to a person who by nature follows the leadership of Adam to continue to sin? Number three. Following the leadership of Adam leads to a negative sentence of judgment. A negative sentence of judgment and the eternal death of many. The eternal death of many. The leadership of Adam, we follow that leadership, we will end up being condemned. 
being condemned. Being condemned is a legal judgment, a judicial act, a penalty of some kind against us. Condemnation comes by carrying out the sentence of judgment. We will be found guilty. If we're found in Adam, we will be facing judgment and the condemnation that follows it. And you will be condemned and we will be condemned and we will not experience anything pleasing. Condemnation means the defendant is judged guilty of the crime and is sentenced to be executed. And we will be found guilty. Now, that sounds very similar to what we studied last week. So let's go on. Okay? We've gone through this. We've gone through this. We've gone through this. You sin. You die. You die because of sin. Nothing good happens down that road. It's wide. A lot of people are on it. A lot of people think there's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of people think when they die, there's nothing. Or, hey, there'll be a party in hell together with all my friends and whatever. But it will not be that way. Condemnation. Now, let's switch gears. Okay, let's talk about the one who is to come. Let's talk about the one who offers the free gift. Let's talk about the one that is the one to give us life. Go back to verse 15. Back to verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression, for by the transgression of the one many died. Much more. If you write in your Bibles, underline that word, much more. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Okay, there's no way a preacher can read that without raising his voice. You understand what's going on here? Much more. Much more. What will happen... What will happen to a person who by a supernatural nature follows the leadership of Jesus Christ to continue abiding with God the Father? If you are saved, if you accepted the free gift, you are in a relationship with God the Father that you are to abide in. To abide in, you need a supernatural nature that follows the leadership of Jesus Christ. What will He do to help you in this life. Glad you asked. Number one. Following the leadership of Jesus Christ leads to the grace of God for many. Leads to the grace of God for many. Leads to the grace of God for many. I'll give you a hint. I have too much stuff in my notes on the grace of God. Okay? We can stay here until 2.30, and I will not be done with what I have to talk about the grace of God. The grace of God is bigger than anything we could preach on in a 40-minute or 35-minute or 32-minute sermon. It is too big. Much more. There is much more grace in the work of Jesus Christ than death and sin in the work of Adam. Much more. The grace of God. Salvation comes to the sinner by the gracious gift of God. 
How did God do it? God did it by giving the gift of grace through one man, Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ abounded to many. The grace of God is connected to the work of God and the love of God. The love of God. It has to have both. The work of Jesus Christ and the love of God. The gift by the grace of one man. The gift comes by the grace of God. The grace of God comes by the work of Jesus Christ. The grace of God came by the one man. The source of grace stands opposite of Adam. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, if you want to think of it this way, is the bowl full of God's grace, which is poured out on those who have faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And he will abound that grace to you. You will have more grace than you need. You'll have grace upon grace. Literally, if you want to translate the uh, Greek word there for abound, and you want to use the Fabaris International Version, you would go super abound. You can be super abound by the grace of God, by the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is completely able to bestow more grace on all the sins of the world. The many, those great number of people who will be justified. And you will have grace upon grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. You will have more grace than you can have anything to hold it with. Oh, you look like you don't believe me. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read the entire book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start in chapter 1. We're going to go to chapter 5. We are going to look at verse verses that talk about the grace of God in 1 Peter. Now, Peter is one of the guys I like because he always talked and got himself in trouble. I can appreciate that. So, Peter knows the grace of God. And what he does is he writes a letter, and guess what he talks about the grace of God? I want you to notice what he says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on... What's the word? Grace. To be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your hope is based upon the grace of God. If you have hope, it's based upon the grace of God. If you are hopeful tomorrow, it will be based upon the grace of God. Go to chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. <clears throat> hurry, hurry, hurry. 4, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold, what? Grace of God. The manifold grace of God. In other words, there are so many different sides to grace that you will not be able to write them all down. The manifold grace of God. There are many sides to the grace of God. Go to chapter 5. Chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. 
You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives, what's the word? Grace to the humble. Humble. The grace of God comes to the humble. If you are humble, it's a supernatural power, it's because you're in the grace of God. Go chapter 5, verse 10. Chapter 5, verse 10. <clears throat> After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. God is the source of what? All grace. The source of all grace. If you experience the grace of God, it comes from God. You have grace from God. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 12. Through Silas, our faithful brother, for I so regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true, what's the word? Grace of God. Stand firm in it. You are to stand firm in grace. If you're to do anything for Christ tomorrow, you have to do it standing in grace. You have to have God's grace. You have to have grace that will make you humble. You have to have the many sides of grace. You have to have the grace of God that gives you hope. So you have grace. Grace is found in the book of Romans 24 times. Grace of God is a daily experience for believers. <clears throat> nowhere in the Old Testament or the New Testament is the grace, of God, the grace of God given to everybody. It is only given to those who have a relationship with God the Father who have been justified. Grace reforms us. Grace redeems us. Grace purifies us. Grace empowers us. Here's a quote from a pastor. I like this. Listen, listen, listen. Love that gives upward is worship. Love that goes upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. Love that goes outward is affection. He said, love that stoops down is grace. Love that stoops down is grace. And that's exactly what God gives you. He gives you grace. And he stoops down and gives you grace. And that grace you are to stand in. You're to live in. You're to hope in. You're to talk about. You're to share. That grace is life changing. Turn back to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 16. Let's go to the end of verse 16. One hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation, but on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions. Many transgressions. Number two, what happens to a person who by supernatural nature follows the leadership of Jesus Christ to continue abiding with God the Father? Number two, you follow the leadership of Jesus Christ, which leads to the forgiveness of God for many. Forgiveness of God for many. If you are in the grace of God, there will be forgiveness of many transgressions. All your sins can be forgiven. It's a free gift. 
You don't do anything to earn it or deserve it. You are given a gift. And the grace of God defeats all your sins. It's not like God had to forgive just one sin. He had to forgive all of the sins. With many sins, there's only one solution, and it's the work of Jesus Christ. By the work of Jesus Christ, you experience the grace of God. The believer receives forgiveness, not for one sin that he shares with Adam, but for all his other sins. The sin that you commit can be covered by the grace of God, by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and you can be saved. Third, the end of verse 16. But on the other hand, free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. Resulting in justification. This is a unique word that's used here. But what happens is, following the leadership of Christ leads to the work of justification for many. The work of justification for many. Resulting in justification, the legal judgment where the sinner is declared righteous, is done by the judge. It's only used, this word's only used three times in the book of Romans. Usually translated requirement or ordinance. But you are declared straight by God, no longer crooked by your false steps. You are saved. You're justified. You're declared righteous. You're declared straight. Colossians chapter 1. Write this down. Colossians chapter 1 verse 6. <clears throat> Just as all the world is constantly bearing fruit, increasing, ever doing it all you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The grace of God is connected to the gospel message. 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're to grow in grace. Write down John 1.17. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Grace of God only comes through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.33. With great power the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and abundant grace was upon them. You want abundant power in this church? You've got to be a, in, under grace. Grace of God allows you to live a life that's powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Whatever you're going through this week, God's grace is sufficient for you. Grace of God allows you to live a life that's powerful, even though you can't handle the situation. God's grace can 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. For by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more. The grace of God allows you to do the work of ministry. You want to do the work that God wants you to do? You do it by the grace of God. Grace of God. Grace of God. Grace of God. Now I'm going to share with you something. And I know I shouldn't be too personal, but I'm going to be personal, okay? Not supposed to be transparent, but I'm going to be transparent here, okay? <clears throat> you with me? You got that, 
that, that little touch of mercy in you right now? Here it comes. I have had a hard week. I have grumbled more than I wanted to grumble. I have grumbled more this week than any other week this year. So, so I'm studying about grace. I'm thinking about grace, and I'm thinking about my life, and I'm thinking about my week. So, I'm going to give you a test. So that I don't fail the test just by myself. Here's the test. Here's the test. Okay? Now I have six verses for each one of these questions. I got five questions for you. Okay? Here you go. Let's assume that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's assume you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's, see, let's say that you see uh, God working through your spiritual gifts. Let's see that God, God uses your word so people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's say you can tell that God is in your life. Okay? If God is working in your life, the grace of God should be working in your life. So let's take a test. If you are in control by the grace of God, five things should be happening in your life. Pass or fail, by the way. No grading on a curve. Here you go, number one. If I'm controlled by the grace of God, I will be grateful and will praise God. I will be grateful and will praise God. That's a hard one for this week. But if I am controlled by the grace of God, I should be grateful to God for everything and praise Him. Number two. Now I have bunches of verses. I don't, I don't have time to give you the verses. Here you go. Number two. If I am controlled by the grace of God, I will be content and give thanks to God. I will be content and give thanks to God. If I'm controlled by the grace of God, I will have a growing attitude of thanksgiving that will produce contentment in my life. Instead of shaking my fist at God, I will be content. And I will raise my hand up to Him and thank Him, even if it was a terrible week. Number three. If I'm controlled by the grace of God, I will be humble. I will be humble. Christian humility is acknowledging the good in this life is due to God's grace. I will be humble. And every time I'm prideful, I'm not being controlled by the grace of God. Number four. If I'm controlled by the grace of God, I will be patient and persevere. If I'm controlled by the grace of God, I will be patient and will persevere.
Okay, let's skip over that one fast. <laughs> Number five. If I'm controlled by the grace of God, I will be forgiving to others. I will be forgiving to others. So I need to praise God more. I need to thank God more. I need to be humbled. I need to be patient. I need to be forgiving. And if I'm doing those things, you can only be in the grace of God, controlled by the grace of God. If you're having a hard time doing those things last week, you got another week to go here. And you get a chance to be controlled by the grace of God. If you're controlled by the grace of God, some things will change in your life. Put it this way. Will I follow the leadership of Jesus Christ and share with others the greatness of God's grace and the joy of living in the mercy of God's forgiveness and the privilege of standing before God in a state of righteousness? Will I follow the leadership of Jesus Christ and share with others the greatness of God's grace and the joy of living the mercy of God's forgiveness and the privilege of standing before God in the state of righteousness? If you are standing in the grace of God, your life will be different. And if you're not standing in the grace of God, you're deceiving yourselves and your life will be different. Yes, I can understand having a bad day. Yes, I can understand having a bad hour. Yes, I can understand having a bad five minutes. But we have the privilege of the grace of God. We need to live differently. <clears throat> a group of pastors are trying to uh, share the gospel with a condemned criminal in the prison. And they'd go down and visit him on death row and they would share the gospel. And every pastor failed. Every pastor failed. Till one pastor went to death row, went into the cell, sat on the bunk, put his head down, and said to the man, the criminal, we're in a bad fix, aren't we? In other words, he put himself in the place of the criminal. The criminal broke into tears and soon yielded to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior because that pastor imitated the grace of God. God came down, took on human form, went to a cross, not because of his own sin, but because of your sins. And he paid that price. And he loved you. So that you could experience the grace of God. Wow. Wow. Father God, thank you for this week. Even though it may have been a hard week, may have been a difficult week, may have been a struggle. But Father, if we are living under the state of grace, 
There is nothing but joy, joy, praise, thanksgiving, joy that can come from our lips, humility, understanding the work you're doing in our lives, not for our glory, but for your glory. And you are doing it, Father, and you're working our lives so that we can be the people, the instruments, the tools in your hand to advance your kingdom. Father, thank you for hard weeks. Thank you for hard days. Thank you for hard hours. Because this is where we get to show that we have the grace of God. And we have hope. And we stand firm in grace. Because you are with us. Because you did the work. You reversed Adam's sin. You reversed the transgression of Adam so that we can have our many transgressions forgiven. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace. I pray, Father, we would live differently because we know what it means to be saved by the grace of God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.